Welcome, beautiful people to Camp Koji. My name is Joel, and thank you for joining me as I break down the biggest gaming news in the week that was on the only podcast you will ever need. On today's show, we're going to talk about uh, Hideo Kojima's next game, and we're going to finish it off with what was this year's sort of E3, Summer Game Fest, and uh, the Xbox and Bethesda showcase. But first, a couple of updates dealing with unions. Um, Bobby Kotick announced last week that Activision Blizzard will recognize Raven Software's Union of Quality Assurance Testers. He promised that, quote, we'll engage in good faith negotiations to enter into a collective bargaining agreement with communication workers of America. This was definitely a surprise to hear because uh, this sort of sounds like uh, something that even if you privately believe it, it's really weird that um, any representative Activision Blizzard would say this publicly. But it, it also sort of makes me feel like it's Bobby Kotick's way of trying to make himself presentable for whenever his next opportunity is because you know and understand that you can acknowledge it and say like, hey, we're going to recognize it while simultaneously understanding that, well, this isn't going to be my, uh, you know, conversation to have <laughs> at some point, you know, that Xbox is going to take over. So it it, it sort of made me feel like uh, it, it's Bobby, it's like a PR move for Bobby Kotick to almost in the public say like, look, I'm not, a hundred percent piece of shit. It's at least 99%. Let me show you that 1% that you haven't seen. The other thing we found out is that also last week, QA testers on Dragon Age Dreadwolf unanimously voted to form Canada's first video game labor union. They filed a motion on April 20th and the election concluded 16-0 in favor of unionizing. So congratulations to that team you know we talked about unionizing here on the show and the one thing i brought up is that uh it's usually becomes a domino effect we, we see it happening in other industries we saw it happen with starbucks it started with one store now there are dozens that have voted to form a union so um it's pretty cool to kind of see those wheels turning in our industry because it's Unionizing is definitely something that um, our industry needs in spades uh, across so many different parts of our industry. So many different studios need collective bargaining. So it's good to see, um, like I said, those dominoes uh, begin to fall. Now, our first story deals with uh, Mr. Hideo Kojima. Now, last week, Freelance reporter Tom Henderson leaked that Hideo Kojima's next game is titled Overdose. According to him, someone leaked footage over to him showing actress Margaret Qualley, hope I pronounced that right, who played, I believe her character's name was Mama, in Death Stranding. Uh, apparently the video he saw had the same actress playing a character in a blue dress walking through dark corridors with just a flashlight. The game is called Overdose, though no console was confirmed. And, um, you know, this is, Tom Henderson is a person that I've followed for a while, and he's usually pretty on point with what he talks about. You know, there are a lot of people out there, uh, 
now more than ever, especially on Twitter, where what they do is they kind of grab 100 darts, they throw it at a wall, and the moment they hit one bullseye of a prediction, they kind of, you know, uh, raise that up like a gold trophy and say, oh, you see, look, uh, I'm, I'm an official leaker. You know, there's definitely a lot of people that do that. Tom Henderson is... It's not one of them. He's he's a person I've I've seen mostly talk a lot about FPSs, he, he Call of Duty. He had he talks about that a couple of things before announcements happen. I think the same thing with Battlefield. Um, and he received this information from another Twitter user that had retweeted. I think I think their handles like Insider something where everything this, this person has leaked so far, kind of cryptically to their Twitter, has come to fruition, especially after the Xbox showcase. Um, so as soon as this leak happened, everyone started picking it up because it comes from a really strong source. And just to kind of add the cherry on top that there's a lot of truth to this, Kojima Productions reached out to Tom Henderson asking him to take the story down. What did Tom Henderson do? He just updated the story saying, hey, Kojima asked me to take this down. So, um, you know, that, I feel like at this point, that's like PR number one. Uh, for those that have never heard of what's called the Streisand effect, um, where when there's something that drops on the Internet that you don't want anyone to see, the last thing you want to do is call more attention to it. That's the, the the huge mistake that Kojima Productions uh, made. I guess maybe they thought that he would keep that um, private in terms of them asking him to take it down. He is under no obligation uh, to keep that private. So I don't understand why they would have taken that step. They would have been much better off by not doing anything. You know, just a few weeks ago, maybe like a week or two ago, I had talked about on the show that Norman Reedus has sort of alluded to working on Death Stranding 2. And you notice that Kojima Productions did nothing about that. <laughs> you know, they, they didn't make a statement or anything like that. Actually, Kojima posted a Twitter sort of very tongue-in-cheek, sort of making um, fun of Norman Reedus sort of talking about um, working with him again. So I, I just found it weird how <clears throat> they thought that this tactic would work, you know, not knowing that it's just kind of you have to look at it as like this unfortunate reality. Now, a lot of people had the moment that this happened, a lot of people connected this to Kojima's Xbox project, which I personally never did from the moment that this thing leaked overdose uh a game that apparently could be played in first person and third person, a game that had obvious horror vibes as explained by Tom uh, Henderson. I didn't instantly connect it with the Xbox project for so many reasons. Uh, I mean, number one was the fact that the first time we heard about the Kojima Xbox project was from journalist Jeff Grubb. And all he confirmed was that they were signing a letter of intent, which means that that game is, you know, it, it's not coming out anytime soon. You know, it, it's a letter of intent basically is Kojima having an idea and going to a partner to help them build it. You know, I mean, you're talking about presenting it with, with like a skeleton. And 
We're going to talk about it later in the show, but if you're listening to this, chances are you probably saw the Xbox Bethesda showcase in which Kojima sort of did confirm, uh, sorry, he confirmed the partnership and then he sort of confirmed that work hasn't even started on it. So I, I don't understand how people made that connection. I, you know, I guess I kind of understand, you know, everyone just kind of wants to take a guess and make it seem like they were able to correctly predict something or they, or they were an insider. Um, but from everything surrounding this, it just sounds like what he's working on with PlayStation. We already know that he is working on something with PlayStation. And in my opinion, this is this might be what Norman Reedus was alluding to. You know, when Norman Reedus said we're working on the next one, I think that was, those were his direct words. He never said we're working on Death Stranding 2. He could just be talking about like the next one is in the next project with Kojima. If you remember correctly, uh, Norman Reedus has already worked with Kojima twice. Technically, he was supposed to be the star of Silent Hills. And then he was cast as a star in a completely different game. It's not outside of the realm of possibility that now he's casting him in this um, new game called Overdose and he's playing a supporting character or maybe the villain or, you know, some other type of role. And Margaret Qualley is playing the title character. And obviously that's all just me guessing based upon the description that was given to us by Tom Henderson, but it shows that, you know, Hideo's really um, ramping up and accelerating what Kojima Productions is working on. And it is totally possible that this game could be a multi-platform release. Um, but seeing him working with actors again sort of makes me feel like it's probably built on the same base as Death Stranding, which would probably mean that it is another PlayStation partnership. Um, but obviously, you know, we'll have to wait and see on that. But, you know, to find out that he's working on this, there's already footage made of it. That means that it's very possible that this game could be out by uh, next year, 2024, the earliest. Um, and then Kojima and his team will probably move on to that Xbox game. You know, when this thing happened, a lot of people were talking about like, yeah, a bunch of people were coming after Tom Henderson and was saying like, um, you know, this isn't right. You shouldn't leak it. You know, you should let him, you know, leak things at his own uh, pace or when um, he's ready. And I, I always look at, I've always looked at both sides of that coin where I will say I've seen it firsthand um, working with a developer when something gets leaked. It, it does suck. And I think it's something that journalists and his insiders don't really consider. Um, you know, when it comes to these leaks and the purpose behind them, they're done with only one reasoning in mind. It's, you know, uh, to get more people to read your articles, to get more clicks, and to get more followers on, on, on Twitter. It's the reason why... People like Jeff Grubb do it, and, and same thing with all these other journalists. They are well within their right to do it. If they never signed an NDA with a company, they have absolutely no obligation to keep something like that secret. Um, and that's really what drives them. And, you know, I don't, I guess, put too much blame or, like, hate on um, someone like Tom Henderson or these journalists for 
for doing it. But what I will say is that from the perspective of a developer and <clears throat> from a perspective of one of the most creative designers we've had in, in game history, I can tell you it really sucks. Um, I'm sure that Kojima was very, very unhappy with something like that. Um, but it's also one of those things where companies have to look internally at the problem, not externally. You know, the person to blame is a person within your studio. And that's the other part of it that really sucks is knowing that you're working in a team, heads down, you've been working on something for years, working towards actually revealing it. And then knowing that someone within that building betrayed the rest of the team and leaked that that information out. That's the person to be angry at um, first and, and, uh, and foremost. So I, I do sort of understand both sides uh, or understand the side of a developer and a journalist when it comes to these types of leaks. But the big thing to remember is that once again, journalists have zero obligation to hold on to this type of information. And as I said, they do it because... Yeah, they, they they want more clips. They they want more clicks. They want more people um, following them. And, you know, I respect it, you know. Um, but, yeah, I mean, in Kojima, I trust. So whatever console this is for, whatever this game, I mean, it looks like this is going to be his horror game. I'm, I'm obviously very, very excited for. Now we're going to move on to Summer Game Fest. And we have a lot to talk about. Obviously, this is Kojima's, uh, Keeley's, Jeff Keeley's yearly event. Um, sort of that at one point tried to replace E3. Now it, it, it's standing alone this year since there is no E3 uh, for 2022. And uh, yeah, I just really wanted to go through the run of show, everything that was shown on there. And then we'll move on to the Xbox but that's the showcase. So the show opened up with Guile being introduced in Street Fighter 6, who I felt looked just like Dolph Lundgren. It's almost like he's being played by uh, the actor. Everything that Capcom has done so far from a marketing perspective of Street Fighter, I really love the way they've been rolling this out. They do have their own small little showcase soon. But I like the kind of drip feed style that they've gone with with Street Fighter 6. Uh, they did have a playable version of it at this small event that Summer Game Fest had. I think it was called Play Days. Uh, it was media only, but according to Jeff Keighley, there would be a public component to it next year. We'll talk about that at the end of this segment. <clears throat> but I really like how Capcom is uh, talking about Street Fighter VI. You know, uh, it's it's a tactic that I think uh, Nintendo used to their advantage uh you know when it comes to their marketing of super smash Bros. the teases and uh like the drip feed style of it so i i like this because we know that the game doesn't come out to 2023 unfortunately we now know what the full roster is but even with that every few months you know, uh, Capcom can drop a trailer showcasing a new character, maybe even do like a, a you know, in-depth sort of live stream to talk about, you know, what that character's moveset is and, and, and maybe have interviews with uh, FGC pros or, or commentators. So there's, there's a lot of ways that they can, they can move this. They also, you know, introduce taunting and sort of like this, uh, what do you call it? It's like a, a face-off. So in the versus screen, you can use 
uh, different directions to, to sort of, you know, put like your game face on. You know, it's a lot of cool elements coming to Street Fighter VI. So definite uh, praise for Capcom, the way that they've been marketing it. I mean, I, I think it's a, it's a wild success. Every person on social media that I've seen talking about the the, the game can't stop talking about how, how uh, great it is. The next trailer we saw is a CG trailer for Aliens Dark Descent, which is coming in 2023. It's a top-down squad-based single-player game. Um, look, I really enjoyed the first Alien film. I don't. I honestly don't think I ever saw any of the other Alien films. Um, I, I think that this license... Uh, is like completely played out in my opinion to this point. I feel like no one's been able to really fully make a blockbuster game surrounding this license. And honestly, I just feel like aliens is not that strong of a license anymore. Um, because there hasn't been a film in such a long time, uh, for this generation of gamers, I, I just don't think it's, a good license anymore, you know? Um, and then the type of game that they're basing around this top down single player squad based, uh, strategy type of game. Yeah. You know, I, I, I just, I, yeah, it, it's, it's a no for me. <laughs> like I, I don't have much interest in it. I don't think the game is going to sell very well. I think once again, this is an intellectual property, that it's just not right for the picking anymore. It just doesn't make any sense um, licensing uh, this type of game anymore, or excuse me, this license anymore. Then we, we got some new footage for the Callisto Protocol, which is coming December 2nd. They reiterated that date. I'm, I still do not believe that this date is going to happen. I've become very skeptical of any date attached for the year 2022. And there's something about the Callisto protocol that makes me feel like it's going to get delayed, which would be unfortunate uh, because this game is actually dropping one month before the Dead Space remake. And I think it's key for this game to launch before Dead Space comes out. So for all intents and purposes, I really hope that they stick to that date. This is that particular team's first ever video game, and it looks freaking amazing for a game that this is like literally the first game that this team has built it looks just way better than it sort of has any right to look my big issue is the same as i brought up last week during the state of play when callisto protocol was was shown off i said wow this game looks kind of identical to dead space and during the summer game fest they showed some gameplay and it looks exactly like dead space it's you know set in space the color palette the enemy design the sort of that limb cutting system that uh, was popularized by dead space the atmosphere the weapons the armor um the over the top brutality the gore uh the you know the health bar sort of in the back of the character's neck it honestly has gotten to this point where i'm genuinely curious if ea is considering you know, taking legal action i'm gonna be honest because they sort of are using the dead space name to sell this game right it's been you know it's on their twitter header from the creator of dead space and it so closely resembles dead space that 
it is almost like feels like copyright infringement. I will be honest with you. It makes me wonder if they have uh, thought about it. Um, but yeah, you know, with that second side, I'm, it's definitely a game that I would probably pick up. It, it just it looks to fill that dead space for whole that was left there by Electronic Arts. And it's it's kind of unfortunate because it's great that they're making a Dead Space remake, but it's also kind of sad that EA didn't have enough space, uh, excuse me, space, enough faith to commission another, uh, you know, built from the ground up brand new Dead Space uh, story. Next thing that they showed was Modern Warfare 2 gameplay. This was the reveal for Modern Warfare 2, uh, 2's gameplay. They also did confirm 100% that there is a Warzone 2.0 coming. It looks like it's going to be its own thing. So there will be a Warzone 2.0 for current gen and then last gen. Apparently, they'll still keep updating that Warzone um, for that for those particular consoles. Um yeah, it's Modern Warfare 2. I mean, it's a Call of Duty game. Um, I, I I can't imagine anyone at this point in time in the year 2022 getting super excited to see single-player Call of Duty gameplay. The games are almost eerily identical to one another. These gameplay reveals are eerily identical to one another. It starts off really quiet, stealth-like, you know, you know Let's breach. You know, everyone's like keeping their voices low. It looks like a, a stealth mission. Silence is on and then all hell breaks loose. Like these trailers are just latherous repeat garbage in my opinion. Um, and it's unfortunate because, you know, there's a part of me that really likes Call of Duty single players in the same way that I like, you know, popcorn flicks. Like it's, it's, it's an action film uh, on a game. You're not expecting anything crazy, but, you know, you're expecting just over the top you know, Hollywood style type of game. But I'm just one of those people that I'm not willing to pay full price for something like that um, because I'm not, I'm never, I, it's been a long time since I've been really heavy in Call of Duty's multiplayer. And so this looks like another game that I'll just sort of um, forego unless, um, you know, next year, when the Activision Blizzard deal comes through, if they hopefully they add this to Game Pass, and then at that point I'll play the single player because I do still sort of enjoy Call of Duty's single players, but I, I can you know sit back and wait. Then there were a couple of other trailers. There was Flashback Two, apparently a sequel to a, a game that came out a long time ago, like thirty years ago or something like that. It's kind of crazy. A dark fantasy FPS called Witchfire, which I thought looked kind of cool. Gave me a lot of painkiller vibes. I thought that was kind of dope. There was the indie Dead Space, which was called Fort Solace, coming 2023, uh, starring voice actors Troy Baker and Roger Clark. Troy Baker is most well-known for playing Joel from The Last of Us. Roger Clark is most well-known for playing Arthur Morgan from Red Dead 2. So that that's, that's kind of cool. Uh, it looked sort of interesting, but I would want to see a little bit uh, more from it. Then it was a trailer for a game called Routine, which seemed to be another horror game set in space, which you know a lot of us were all making fun of. It seemed like so much of Summer Game Fest was horror games set in space. Apparently, this was a game that was announced a decade ago, and now it's finally being talked about again, so that's kind of cool. 
Uh, then came a really awkward moment, which was The Rock uh, having his own commercial, which lasted over like, not even like, I, I clocked it. It was over two minutes of The Rock talking in his gym, obviously unscripted, uh, trying to sell us his energy drink, followed by Black Adam um, trailer. And uh, this was definitely a genuine criticism that I had for this show. The pacing was kind of all over the place. I feel like it's one thing that Jeff and his team still have not been able to nail, whether it's Summer Game Fest, whether it's Game Awards. The pacing of the show is just, is just not very good. Um, and this is one of those things where I feel like they should have been very strict. Like, hey, this is cool. We're going to get The Rock to introduce Black Adam. But you, 30 seconds, you guys got to keep it short. I get it. You want to show your energy drink in the background or, or you know, you want to start off with you taking a swig of your energy drink. But if you say like, oh, yeah, you know, Zoa energy and repeating the tagline over and over, it was just corny. I, I, I and everyone else hated that. Then there was an, a real-time strategy game called Stormgate, which is being made by Frost Giant Games. That's the studio that is built from former Blizzard employees. Or Honestly, I thought it looked awful. I thought the CG trailer, just everything about it just looked like been there, done that. You know, not, I felt like it, it, it looked very uninspiring. Um, but, you know, it's a CG trailer, and it's an RTS, so the two probably won't translate very well. Um, but seeing the team behind it, I'm sure if you're a real-time strategy fan, it's definitely something to keep your eye on. Uh, then there was this cool sort of indie game called High Water, which I thought looked kind of dope. Um, American Arcadia was something that um, I'm very ex looking forward to. It's like this retro futuristic platformer that's sort of across like the Truman Show, where apparently you're tasked to live in this futuristic city but as one of its citizens you don't know that you're actually on a reality show and if you as a character your ratings start dropping or it's either your ratings drop or audiences can vote you out when that happens they just straight up kill you so i, I thought the concept was really cool and it's created by the same team behind call of the sea which i really liked i think it was last year that i played the game it is on game pass maybe it might still be on there i'm not sure uh, Call of the Sea was like this first-person adventure game. I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, there was a trailer for Goat Simulator 3, which a lot of people thought it was finally we're going to get a new look at Dead Island, but it was just a parody. I thought that was kind of cool. Um, then we got a new trailer for Midnight Suns, which comes out on October 7th. Um, it was CG. It was CG. It was CG. Uh, you guys already know how many times I've said on this show, I'm not a huge CG trailer fan. This game is supposed to come out on October 7th. I thought it was kind of cool them introducing Spider-Man. Uh, Spider-Man finally returns to Xbox. It's been a long time since we've seen Spider-Man on Xbox. I thought that was kind of cool. Uh, they also showed Venom, uh, which I thought was kind of neat and sort of um, the, the, the evil team that you're going up against. Um, but I, I, I really wanted us to see more gameplay. I mean, this game comes out on October 7th. I think that they've done a poor job actually convincing people why this game is what it is or what it's really supposed to be because it's sort of in the trailers, a lot of these CG trailers they've been showing, it looks like, um, very close to Jesus Christ. What's the name of this game? Uh, Marvel ultimate Alliance. It sort of looks like a, an action game that you could play with friends, but it's actually a turn-based, card-based uh, 
strategy uh, type of game. And I think they should have shown more of that in the trailer. With all that being said, I'm I'm kind of excited for this game. It's a very unique use of the Marvel license. And, um, you know, from that deep dive that we got a few months ago, I think it looks really, really cool. Then uh, we saw Neon White uh, confirmed from June 16th. So coming out uh, very, very soon. Midnight Fight Express, which is once again made by a single guy coming August 23rd. That looked kind of cool. We got another look at um, Hoyo versus Next Game. That's the team behind Genshin Impact. It's called Zenless Zone Zero. I believe it's coming out for iOS and PC, but they didn't confirm if it's coming out to other consoles. I mean, I don't know what magic they have at this studio, this Hoyoverse studio. But the game looks really amazing. Uh, we got another look at TMNT Shredder's Revenge. Uh, introduced Casey alongside a six-player co-op mode, which I thought was kind of cool. I don't have the date listed in my notes, but it's like super soon. Isn't it like this week or something like that? Unless I'm going crazy. Uh, yes, it's actually June 16th, the same exact date as um, Neon White. Uh, and I, I believe it is coming to Game Pass, so it's, that's kind of cool. Uh, that looks like fun. We got a new look at One Piece Odyssey coming this year, a trailer for a game called Nightingale, which I thought looked kind of neat. The Saints Row Boss Factory demo was announced, so you can build your boss before the game comes out in August. We got another look at Warhammer 30,000 Dark Tide, which is coming September 19th, excuse me, September 13th. I believe that's another Game Pass game. Uh, so a lot of cool Game Pass games coming out this year and obviously a lot more once we talk about the uh, the Xbox uh, Bethesda segment. That looked actually like a lot of fun. Layers of Fears from Bluebird Team, which is sort of this reimagining of Layers of Fear because there's been three of them. I don't know exactly how that works. And then it ended with Neil Druckmann coming out Um uh, who is the director of The Last of Us. He confirmed that Naughty Dog is working on this long-rumored The Last of Us multiplayer game. So he confirmed the rumors. Like, I believe start were started by Jason Schreier. I might be wrong. So he did confirm that it's gotten so bad that they're doing their own game. Uh, it's going to be standalone. For those that don't know, this mode was really called Factions. It's probably one of the most off-requested cult classic multiplayer games that came out for PlayStation. So it's pretty cool to see that. It looks like they just sort of took that and stretched it. Uh, all this show was concept art confirming that it takes place in San Francisco. So it's possible that we probably won't see this game until 2023, late 2023, but early 2024 probably. Um, so it's kind of cool to finally get that confirmation. You know, I've spoken about this in the past so many times. I, I love when, Companies just confirm, hey, we're working on a game. I think it's cool that they showed us some concept art, but I, I love that PlayStation didn't go all out to do like a CG trailer or something like that. Like, you know, uh, just show us the game when you're ready to show us. It's cool. Thank you for confirming the rumor that we were all very well aware of. Um, so yeah, so that was kind of cool. He also showed a new still from The Last of Us HBO show, which I can't shut up about. I've been saying that this is uh, this is going to be the greatest 
video game adaptation of all time. Just the team that they put together. I'm just so excited for this show. From the cast to the crew, the writers, directors. Uh, for those that have never seen the Chernobyl miniseries on HBO, I'll tell you this. Number one, I think it's the greatest miniseries I've ever seen in my life. And number two, it's without a doubt one of the greatest TV shows I've ever seen in my life. So to have the people behind that show involved in this in, in, in this one gives me so much confidence in terms of awards and just the quality of the show and the fact that it's on HBO, a top quality network. Uh, he also confirmed that Ellie and Joel's voice actors, Ashley Johnson and Troy Barker, are actually a part of the cast. So I thought that that was kind of cool. He said that it's not like this walk-on role, sort of like the voice actor had for for Nathan Drake, for whatever reason. I'm forgetting his name. Let me look it up. Um, he, he had like this very... Nolan North, thank you. He had this very small part cameo in the Uncharted film. He's saying that it's not that, that they're actually sort of part of the cast, so maybe in a few episodes. So I thought that that was kind of cool. And then finally, they confirmed he, The Last of Us Part 1, which two things. Number one, uh, this rumor was definitely broken by Jason Schreier um, earlier in the year, I think it was. And then it was leaked by PlayStation themselves before Summit Game Fest, so that was kind of funny. Um but it is definitely a remake of The Last of Us coming to PlayStation 5 September 2nd and PC at a later date, which I'm going to take my flowers. I 100% called this. I said, um, I think it was as early as last week, I repeated it, that The Last of Us remake, uh, and I said the same thing with the multiplayer game, are the perfect vehicles to do uh, day and date releases. So I'm, I'm going to take half a point since uh, it's not debuting the same date on PC, but this is officially the first game ever that PlayStation has announced as also having a PC release, which, I mean, that's, that's a big deal for PlayStation, right? Um, this is a definite first for them. So it's, it's just the right move. I mean, I don't know how, how else to put it. It's just the right way to go about it. Um, so it, it's probably likely that, that this will be on PC early next year. Um, it looks great. Let's be honest. It does look really good. I, I understand that there are a lot of people online comparing uh, screenshots and we're like, oh, you know, it doesn't look that different. But I feel like it's more of a testament to how great that game looked to begin with, even before the remaster for PlayStation 4, just even when it came to PlayStation 3, it really pushed the limits. So I feel like even bringing it to PlayStation um, 5, uh, I think that if you're comparing them side by side, you're going to be like, oh, it's not that big of a difference, but it still is a difference. There is an improvement. And I think it's more a testament to how great that game looked, especially the remaster when it was done for PlayStation 4. I still feel like the same way I felt when I first heard this rumor. I still think the remake is unnecessary. Um, I still feel like if I was you know, behind that desk at PlayStation, I would have given this to another studio. Apparently, that's what happened. It was being worked on by another studio, and then Naughty Dog took, took it over. And it's obvious what happened, right? Uh, even without me knowing <laughs> firsthand, I think I can correctly guess what happened. 
Um, PlayStation really needed this game to come out at the end of the year. Um, so it's obvious that the work wasn't getting done. So they told Naughty Dog, yeah, you guys are going to have to do this. So it isn't out of the realm possibility. They probably plucked people from that Last of Us multiplayer game in order to finish this Last of Us Part 1 remake for whatever reason. It's obviously not going to tie in with the show because the show is not releasing this year. It's possible that maybe we could get a teaser um, for the HBO show around the same time that this game comes out. Um, but I don't think that that was like the express purpose for remaking this game. I think, you know, sometimes these decisions, when, when companies make decisions, they look at their calendar, sometimes they, they see holes. And I think that's really what the last was part one is. It's a way to plug up a hole that, um, PlayStation saw in their future calendars. The game is being rebuilt, including new models, animations, and The Last of Us 2 combat improvements, even though we didn't actually see what those looked like. Um, the new models I thought were kind of weird because I felt like Ellie and Joel look older than they were, they're supposed to look um, because you can see that they sort of used the same models that they did in The Last of Us Part 2 and they sort of de-aged them a bit. But it sort of now it sort of feels like now they exist in the middle of part one and part two, um, so that was like a, a minor gripe that I had, but obviously not a big deal. Um, Seventy dollars for this game, I think, is absolutely insane. But uh, then again, PlayStation they had a Firefly edition that was exclusive to PlayStation Store. That edition was a hundred bucks. It just had the game Steelbook. Um, some comics, what I think exclusive covers, and then early access to early items. So it's items that I think you can just get naturally as you progress to the game. That instantly sold out. It's now going on eBay for like $400, $450. And this is the reason why I've always talked about that. You know, um, I believe that a, a company should be able to charge what they feel they can get away with. And it's so funny to see these things happening because I, I think about what I said on the show a little over a year ago where I said Nintendo changed the game when it came to the way that they repriced their remakes. And, you know, now we're seeing it. I feel like after what Nintendo did, I think all these other companies are like, holy shit, wait a minute. You mean we can remake games and not feel like we have to charge 40 or 50 bucks for it? But damn, PlayStation, not even $60, man. PlayStation went the full premium, $69.99. Now, one thing to know is that this does bring the Left Behind um, expansion pack, uh, which is cool. Uh, but damn, for $70, bucks, you probably could have even thrown part two into it, you know? Um, but uh, yeah, you know, for me personally speaking, $70 is way too much, you know? I own the PS4 remaster. Um, I, I think I could see myself getting the last of us part one if I can get it at a bargain, but I, I just, I just can't, I, I can't pay $70 to play a game again for the third time, no matter how nice, uh, it looks, it's just not for me. Um, but you know, if you got the money, you're willing to spend it more power to you. Um, you made it, you can spend it however the hell you want. Uh, Last of Us Part 2 surpassed 10 million copies sold earlier this year. That was a, a separate announcement um, that they made. And that was really the end of the show. You know, Jeff did end it by announcing that the Summer Game Fest will have an in-person event next year, which is going to be interesting because that sets up 
as sort of a head-to-head against E3. The ESA did confirm that the E3 is coming back uh, physical and digital next year. So, I mean, I don't know how this is going, exactly how it's going to work. I could see maybe Jeff doing a sort of a, what do you call it, a smaller footprint of E3 being very, very select with the types of games that are on there. I could see him trying to be aggressive with doing digital demos, but I don't think that it's going to be something with like this crazy large footprint. He's, I don't think he's going to be able to match what E3 is going to be able to do with that. I think it's just going to be interesting in terms of like, how do, how do you do respond as a publisher? You know, like you're probably going to put more of your resources into E3 because that's the one that's open to the public. You know, the public is, is gearing up and they're excited to go back into that convention center. You know that it holds more people. You know you're probably going to get more bang for your marketing dollar. So I don't know. It's, it's just going to be interesting. I'm sure Jeff and his team will figure something out. Uh, before we move on, I just want to quickly say I thought that anyone complaining about this show, I thought it was super weird. Um, you know, look, it, it's just weird for so many reasons. A lot of people were complaining that there weren't enough blockbusters, there weren't enough, enough holy shit, blow the door off the hinges types of moments. But it, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, what's Jeff and his team supposed to do, right? It's up to the publishers to to, to be ready to show something. We're in a really weird year. We're, we've seen so many delays, right? We've, um, we know that the industry is still grappling with COVID uh, and everything else that's happening right now around the world. So it's just weird to criticize this show for that. I think the only critique that I would have is the pacing. The pacing definitely could have been a little bit better. But to critique uh, Jeff and his team and, and, and say, you know, all oh, this sucked. This is the worst summer game fest, like, Blow it out your ass, man. Like, this is a completely free show. You have a team that worked so hard to fill a gap that was left by E3. Understand that E3 didn't even attempt anything digital this year. If it wasn't for Summer Game Fest, we wouldn't have this moment for us to come together. <clears throat> so, I don't know. To me, or, to me, anyone complaining is weird. Uh, before we move on to the Xbox showcase, I did want to give a little bit of... Um, sort of highlight a couple of games that was showed during Day of the Devs and Devolver Digital that if you didn't check out, definitely go and check them out. Um, Time Flies, sort of this black and white, uh, and these are all indie games. Uh, Time Flies is a game where you play as a fly whose life expectancy changes depending on your country's average life expectancy. That was dope. Go check out that trailer. Planet of Lana, side-scrolling adventure game. Gorgeous. Choo Choo Charles, I thought was kind of a crazy game. Open world FPS horror game where you basically are trying to upgrade this train while constantly evading an evil clown train. I thought that was kind of cool. A puzzle game called A Little to the Left. Definitely check that one out. Animal Well, sort of like this pixel art Metrovania. That one looks cool. Desta, The Memories Between Stars, which is from Us 2, the same team behind Monument Valley. That looked dope. Uh, Shim, uh, that's spelled S-C-H-I-M, top-down game where you play a creature jumping between shadows, gorgeous. Uh, Goodbye World, a narrative adventure game that will look dope. Devolver Digital, Cult of the Lamb looked amazing. The Plucky Squire is the game that has basically stolen the show. 2D, 3D, 
sort of link between worlds kind of uh, vibes where you play sort of 2D in a storybook, but then you can hop onto the 3D world. A lot of uh, game mechanics being thrown around. Just, ugh, just amazing. Uh, and then another game that they showed that was kind of dope was called Skate Stories. So definitely check out those out. Um, indie, I've, I've said this before, they did just do so much for our industry. Uh, just so much creativity. So definitely check those out. Um, and now moving on to the Xbox Bethesda showcase. So before we dive into the show, let's quickly review some announcements that were made before the show. Xbox officially announced that cloud streaming was coming to Samsung TVs this year, but only its 2022 models that support Gaming Hub. I've, I've been talking about this for years. And I think at some point I tweeted like four years ago that at some point Samsung is going to ship a TV that has a controller. That was not confirmed here, but I still, I'm still sticking to that. Uh, you know, I'm not a mind reader or I can tell the future. It's just it's just an inevitable step in what Xbox is trying to do. What's also cool about this Samsung thing is that it is exclusive to Samsung TVs. It has to be a 2022 model. So if you if you currently own a Samsung TV, it won't work. Uh, the hub also supports Stadia, NVIDIA, GeForce Now, and something called Utomic, which looks like a PC streaming service. For those that are asking why, um, it looks like these Samsung TVs have sort of an extra chipset in order to support this type of initiative. So it looks like that's why. And it doesn't look like Samsung is planning on retroactively adding these. What's cool is that you can just connect your controller by Bluetooth, and it does support PlayStation 5 controllers. So I thought that was kind of dope. Um, so that's amazing. Xbox also confirmed that they're on track to release at least five new titles by the end of their fiscal year, which is June 30th, 2023. Um, Starfield and Redfall are definitely a part of that. Uh, Forza, I think, would be another one. So that's three. The other two will... I'll go through the showcase. I'm not sure if they talked about any other. Oh, the uh, Obsidian Entertainment game, Pen Something, that might be the fourth one. Fifth one, who knows? Maybe maybe a Gears collection. I don't know. Uh, other announcements included in the next year, subscribers will be allowed to start streaming games they already own in addition to the rest of the Game Pass catalog. Once again, something I said they were going to do years ago, natural progression. Um, updates to the Microsoft Edge browser, better graphics while streaming games, better efficiency. And then they also announced this new initiative where they're going to have demos locked behind the Game Pass membership with an eye towards showcasing independent creators. So E3-like early demos and, and uh, best of all, companies will be compensated. Now, of course, people started immediately comparing this to PlayStation's um, thing that's locked to their highest tier. They're completely different for so many reasons. Number one is that that PlayStation initiative, those are not demos. Those are trials, right? The games are already 100% complete. Uh, no additional work has to be put in, which is great. PlayStation just activates something so that it allows you to play the first two hours of the game. The other thing is that, um, which I said before, sucks. I hate it uh, that PlayStation do it. Number one is that PlayStation is forcing uh, developers to take part in this, which is bullshit. The other thing is that they're not compensated for it, uh, which is also bullshit. Um, you know, if you're using my game to sell the highest tier of your service, which is a very good incentive to get people to pay more, I as a publisher should be getting paid more for it. So 
honestly, I, I still don't truly believe that every game is going to be forced to do this. The reason why I don't believe that is that we've only heard that from one source, which was sent internally to game developers. But honestly, I think if enough publishers push back, I'm sure this is something that Sony's is going to have to let go. So I'm not 100% convinced that every single game is going to be forced to do it. But we'll obviously have to wait and see. So the big difference is that these are early demos. So these are things that teams are going to have to build out. But the good thing is that those companies will be compensated. So they're going to be paid some way, somehow uh, to do it. This is such a huge thing, especially for indie titles. Game Pass has such a strong spotlight. Um, so this is just going to be great. It's obviously not something that I feel like AAA developers are going to be taking advantage of. But for a lot of these really, you know, there were a couple of indie games that were shown during the Xbox showcase um, or like that cool cyberpunk game called Replaced, which comes out next year. Um, you know, blessings to them. That's a, that's a Ukrainian-based um, company. I know they're having a, a couple of struggles because of everything that's happening. But um, that so something like that, in order to put out something early, get not only are you getting feedback, but you're also being compensated for the time and money you have to spend to build out that demo. I, I think it's a great initiative. Even though I still have to say I don't believe that demo should be locked behind a paywall. But the positive is that that paywall allows uh, Game Pass subscribers to be able, you know, part of the money that you pay goes to those teams. So that, that's great. Um, Matt Booty also did confirm that while some Activision Blizzard games will be exclusive, he hinted at Call of Duty remaining multi-platform. He said, if we acquire a game that comes with a big community across a number of platforms, the last thing I want to do is take something away. Okay, moving on to the showcase. So the show started with our first look at Redfall, which is launching 2023. I'm going to be honest, I wasn't super excited about this uh, when I saw it. I think the teaser trailer had me more excited than the actual game, which is once again why I hate teaser trailers. They have a tendency to make games look way cooler than they actually are. Um but I will say, just like a lot of other games that use that four format, four players, Left for Dead type of stuff, it looks like it will be fun with the right crew. But it wasn't something that, to me, was like, oh, my God, I can't wait to play this. Um, we got a new Silk Song trailer that announced that the game will be coming to Game Pass day one, whenever that is. <laughs> there was no date. Um, so it's looking like this game is coming out next year. There was a brand new game announced by the Rick and Morty creator, Justin Roiland, uh, which is actually launching this October, coming to Xbox and PC, called High on Life. Oh, my God. Everything about this game I loved about it. The premise is about aliens getting high on human beings. So human beings are trafficked like drugs, and you're tasked with taking down this drug cartel that's trafficking human beings. And then every gun has their own personality there was like a knife called stabby one gun was voiced by jb smooth um you know another gun that seems like the narrator is voiced by justin roiland who does uh, you know he sounds exactly like morty just everything about this game i love rick and morty i love i love his style uh or his comedic style everything about this game yes a hundred percent i can't wait to play this and it is coming to game pass 
then Sarah Bond came out. She confirmed that All Game Show will be released within the next 12 months, which I thought was really key. I thought it was a really, really good um, initiative for Xbox to do with this show. I think it also opens the door for Xbox to do their own small showcase at some point early next year um, to sort of update on everything that's going on. But I love that it was like, hey, everything that we're showing, it's going to be a lot of gameplay. It's going to be out in the next 12 months, Um, which I feel like showcases one of Xbox's strengths this generation, which has been really understanding feedback. One of the biggest points of feedback that a lot of gamers have given them is you guys are showing way too much CG. You're showing way too much stuff that is getting lost, right? When we talk about Perfect Dark, Everwild, games that, you know, Fable, games that seem to be going through a little bit of development trial. Outerworld, remember Outerworlds 2 was just a, a, a title. Avowal was, was just a title. Nothing that's really concrete in gameplay. So I like that they took that feedback to heart um, for this showcase. They then announced that Riot Games, uh, they're entering a partnership with Riot Games that would give Game Pass members access to their PC and mobile titles, which I thought was really interesting. League of Legends and Valorant on PC. Game Pass members will have all champions and agents unlocked along with day one access to new characters when they're added in the future, which is pretty cool. PC plus mobile Legends of Runeterra and Teamfight Tactics. And then the mobile only League of League of Legends Wild Rift. Now, it's very important to note that this does not mean that these games are coming to Xbox. What this means is that somehow they're going to build some way for you to, you know, download these games on mobile, or download these games on PC and be able to log in with your Xbox Game Pass account or the PC versions are going to be added to the Xbox launcher that I'm not 100% sure of. But for the mobile ones, obviously, um, I, I don't know if it's going to be running through the Game Pass launcher or it's something that you just download the mobile versions and you just log in with your Game Pass account. I don't know exactly how it's structured. But the one thing that this does is that it opens the door for something I've talked about in the past, which was Xbox expanding Game Pass and really maximizing that value of saying, hey, you're a Game Pass member. We're also going to attach this thing to it, which is something that I had said that PlayStation should be taking advantage of with the acquisition of Funimation, you know, Funimation subscription should be included with PlayStation Plus. Um, so I think this is kind of experimenting from Xbox. Uh, you know, they've done like these small giveaway spot, three months of Spotify, three months of Discord Nitro. Um, I think they gave away a month of Paramount Plus for the Halo show. I might be wrong. So it's cool to see them. This is kind of an extension of that. I thought that was kind of a, 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 a cool announcement. We got a new look at Plague Tale Requiem. Keep in mind that that does also come out for PS5 and Switch. Forza Motorsport comes out to Xbox and PC spring 2023. That looked kind of pretty. I'm not a racing game fan, so it didn't look pretty. I mean, it did look interesting to me. We got some flight simulator footage, including a Halo Infinite plane. That was kind of cool. Then we got an Overwatch 2 trailer. Confirming a couple things. Number one is that it's coming out October 4th. What's weird though is that Blizzard sort of sneakily called it early access. We don't know exactly what this means. Blizzard is having another um, sort of 
showcase discussion for Overwatch 2 happening, I believe it's June 16th. So we're probably going to get more details. But it kind of sounds like what's happening on October 4th is that the full game is not going to release. So we're probably not going to get that PvE mode that you have to pay for. It looks like we're just getting the free-to-play PvP mode. But it is launching across all consoles. I, I'm kind of going to assume that there will be some sort of cross-play, hopefully at launch. I think it's key. It's something that they did add to Overwatch. I'm guessing maybe at that at that point, Overwatch 1 will then be updated to Overwatch 2. They also did confirm Junker Queen, the newest hero. She's confirmed as a newest tank. Um, so yeah, a, a, a lot of things happening with, with Overwatch 2. It's good to see Blizzard finally be in a position where they're showing this game off a lot more. And I think it's I think what's great about free-to-play, because I've been talking about the need for this game to go free-to-play for so long, what makes it such a great plan is the biggest gripe that a lot of people are having with Overwatch 2, which is, how, why is this Overwatch 2? This is Overwatch 1, except one less player on each team, right? Now I feel like it makes it a lot easier to digest because now you're not having to ask, why am I paying for Overwatch 2? Because there is no payment for it, right? It's only if, hey, if you're a huge Overwatch fan, there there will be a payable component, but it's going to be PVE. In terms of how they price that, I don't know. What's going to, it's a really cool thing to look forward to next year, if you're an Xbox owner, is that this that game is definitely going to be added to Xbox Game Pass, which is pretty dope. Um, so if you are an Overwatch fan like me, definitely stay tuned to uh, that showcase, that the live stream happening later this week um because apparently they're also going to talk about monetization on there um i've always talked about how overwatch has always been really fair with their loot boxes that's probably going to go away now but it sounds like their monetization strategy is going to be a few things number one is i can almost guarantee a battle pass there's no way this game is not going to utilize a battle pass uh, number two is it looks like they're, they're from the trailer that showed, it sort of looks like they're trying, they're going to be experimenting with different things to monetize. So it looks like they're probably going to be selling um, taunts. Like there was this move that Orissa did where, where she threw a spear where she did like a thumbs down. So I could sort of see something like that being um, something that's a purchasable and unlockable cosmetic. So maybe instead of a thumbs out, it's like, oh, you know, she's she waves by or something like that, along with a voice line. There was also like these moments where it looked like um, players were kind of admiring their weapons. So maybe there are unlockable weapon animations or something like that. Um, look, as long as it's purely cosmetic, I don't care what they add to it, um, especially if it's free to play. Um, if I'm enjoying the game enough, I don't mind, you know, especially if it's battle passes paying some money. So I hope that they're really smart about it. But, you know, seeing how aggressive Blizzard has been lately, obviously a lot of people are concerned because of what happened to Diablo. Just keep in mind that these are two completely different business models. I don't see them being as aggressive as what they did with mobile. It does, that, that type of stuff does not work on, on, on um, uh, what do you call it, on a console. Jesus Christ, I had a, a, a brain fart. Um, 
Then we saw a game called Aura History Untold, which is a real-time strategy game that looked kind of cool if you're into that. Um, we got new footage for Elder Scrolls High Isle and Fallout 76 expansion, The Pit. Forza Horizon 5 Hot Wheels DLC coming July 19th. We got a new look at Arc 2 coming 2023 starring Vin Diesel. Uh, yeah, this, this, in my opinion, is a, an example of Xbox wasting money. I don't know how much Xbox paid for that exclusivity, but I don't think it's going to come out to being worth it. Uh, we got a new look at Scorn, uh, that first-person horror, shooter horror game, which I'm looking forward to. That was confirmed finally coming out this year, October 21st, uh, which is pretty dope. Flintlock, The Siege of Dawn coming early 2023. Minecraft uh, Legends. Actually, before I move on, Flintlock looks really, really cool. Definitely check that one out. Minecraft Legends, action strategy game coming 2023. We got uh, a game called Lightyear Frontier coming spring 2023. Looks like it's four-player co-op. That looked kind of nice. A roguelite action game called Gunfire Reborn coming this October. This awesome game that debut called the last case of benedict fox start, you know side scrolling you know lovecraftian horror metroid sort of look that's coming spring 2023 that looked really dope um we had as dusk falls which is that adventure narrative game coming july 19th honestly i'm not really sold on this game but that game right there is like the power of Game Pass. That's a game that I'm sure a lot of people are on the, on the fence, just like me, like, eh, I don't know if I'm going to like it or not. Maybe they never really tried adventure games before. Perfect Game Pass title. Shows the power of it. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people are going to try that. That just probably would never have uh, paid full price for. Then we got an Araka Blade Point uh, trailer. Confirm that the game is finally coming to Xbox June 23rd with crossplay. Then we got an announcement of Pentiment which um, is coming November 2022. This was a game I was talking about earlier in the segment, which confirms four of those five games. Uh, so a narrative adventure set in the 16th century, uh, side-scrolling looked really, really cool. Uh, this also confirms that Obsidian Entertainment is now working on three games, Pentiment, Avowed, and Outer Worlds 2. Um, definitely showing that the studio was one of the best purchases that Xbox has made so far. Um, just side note, I really wish there wasn't Outer Worlds 2. Um, I really wish at the moment they bought Bethesda, they would have just told Obsidian, how would you guys like to make the next Fallout? You know, we all know that, uh, Bethesda's working on Starfield, then they're going to work on Elder Scrolls. Who knows when we're going to get the next narrative, uh, Fallout game. There's no better team to give it to than Obsidian. So I still think that's going to happen at some point. But obviously, it means that we're going to be waiting a long time for another narrative fallout. Then there was a trailer confirming that Grounded is officially recent in September. Uh, this really cool game that was debuted called Ereban Shadow Legacy launching 2023. That looked really dope. Looked sort of like a fast-paced stealth game. Really like that. That looked cool. Um, then we got some new footage of Diablo 4. Necromancer was shown, which is the fifth and final class. Man, this looked really, really, really good, man. Yeah, I've never been a, a, a Diablo person. Like, I get why people like it. Um, but, man, this looked really, really, really good. Uh, this is definitely a game that I will be looking forward to in terms of the future of Activision on, on Game Pass. 
um, because, um, man, it just looked amazing. <laughs> like if you're a Diablo fan out, like I, I get some people are like, like not super excited because of Diablo Immortal, uh, everything happening with that game. But once again, everyone, you must remember two completely different business models. Mobile allows Blizzard to be greedy. They can't be that greedy if they're charging you full price for something. And they actually already confirmed after this showcase that they are focusing, uh, monetization is really on focusing on expansion packs and um, cosmetics. And it looks like that's that's as far as they're going to go. I don't think that it's definitely not going to be that as bad as mobile. Uh, then there was a new CF3 update, a game called Ravenlock for 2023, which looks really cool. Cocoon, which was uh, coming in 2023, apparently made by the same, I think it was like the director of Limbo and Inside, which I was, instantly those words got me super hyped for this game. That looked really, really cool. Then we got an announcement for this game called Wolong Fallen Dynasty, uh, but that was just a CG trailer. Um, but it is Team Ninja, Koi Tecmo, so same team behind, no, uh, excuse me, Noe, Neo. That's coming early 2023 to Xbox and PC. Now, this was confirmed Game Pass, but the trailer did not say console exclusive, so chances are really high that it's also coming to PlayStation, but um, that hasn't, I couldn't find a confirmation um, for that, for that, so maybe it's, I don't know, maybe it's not coming to PlayStation, but I feel like Xbox would have shown console exclusive if it wasn't. Um, then a surprise, you know, um, Phil walked out. He talked about um, working with Japanese teams and he confirmed Persona 3, 4, and 5 coming to Game Pass. 5 is going to be up first. That comes out October 21st, which is pretty cool. Um, and then finally... The man, the myth, the legend, Hideo Kojima showed up to finally confirm this rumored Xbox project. So what's interesting is that this is part of what he said in the video. Quote, there is a game I have always wanted to make. It's a completely new game that no one has ever seen or experienced before. I've waited very long for the day when I could finally start to create it. With Microsoft's cutting edge cloud technology and the change in the industry's trend, it has now become possible to challenge myself to make this never before seen concept. Um, from what he was saying, it sounds like work has not even started on this game. So it's very, very possible. We are now in the year 2022. We probably won't see this game for quite some time. I mean, we're talking 2027 or something like that, that this game releases. Um, so this really goes in line with Jeff Grubb's leak where he talked about that Kojima had signed a letter of intent with Xbox, which is kind of like step number one when it comes to this. Now, I had discussed this on the show when this leak first happened where I said, um, you know, first and foremost, I'm a huge Kojima fan, Metal Gear Solid, Zone, all that stuff. Uh, definitely Death Stranding. Um, and to find out that this man has an idea in his head that he knows can only be executed by cloud technology and the fact that ex that he's going outside of his comfort zone to create this game. Because understand everything that's happening, right? Number one is that him and his team 
are going to have to work on a, on, on a, new, a brand new engine, right? They can't use the Decima engine, right? PlayStation is not going to allow this guy to use the Decima engine, or at least I don't think so. I don't know. Maybe they'll let him license it uh, to create an Xbox and PC game. I, I kind of don't see that happening. Um, actually, no, let me back up. There was no confirmation that this was Xbox and PC. I could sort of see that happening, especially with Death Stranding being on PC. Um, so just a, 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 this game must be just like absolutely insanely great of an idea, <laughs> you know, for him to go once again, like I said, outside his comfort. So who knows, maybe they'll pick up Unreal Engine 5 in order to, to make this happen. Um, so all of this is just really interesting because, you know, we all know now being told by insiders that he did approach Stadia to get this thing done. So it's kind of funny because it sort of makes it feel like Xbox was even choice number one, or maybe he didn't know that the Azure technology was that far ahead. And it's funny because you sort of see glimpses of cloud technology in Death Stranding when it comes to the uh, strand system where you can sort of see and hear other players and leave messages and almost like this Dark Souls-like system and share resources and stuff like that. Um, so that almost like this, like, you know, snowflake that's probably a part of this much bigger idea that he wants to execute. Um and, uh, you know, obviously, like I said, you know, I'm, I'm very excited about it. Something I'm, I'm very much uh, excited about. I'm very much looking forward to. Um, but obviously, like I said, we're, we're probably not going to hear about this for quite some time. Um, and then finally, to end the show, we finally got our first look at Starfield. Um, so a few things. Number one, graphically the best game that Bethesda has ever built. It's, it's not even close. It really showcases this brand new engine that they've been working on. I felt like the showcase delivered exactly what Starfield, what, what Bethesda promised with Starfield. And I couldn't help but um, think about Cyberpunk in this, in this sense, where I felt like Cyberpunk promised me a game, and when we finally got it, it wasn't the game that they promised. Where I felt like with Starfield... But that's the promised, you know, fallout in space. And this is exactly what we're getting. Uh, and hopefully it stays true to that uh, by the time the game actually releases. Um, facial expressions were amazing. Voice acting was amazing. Some people were criticizing the eye lines. I think it was only one. It was that sort of female character that you first meet i felt like some of the other characters the eyeline was was perfect so i do think that it's something that will be fixed i don't think it's that big of, of of an issue combat was the best that bethesda has ever done obviously the closest we can compare it to is fallout i feel like this game when it showed combat it looked like a proper first person shooter it sort of looks like the game can also be completely played in third person but um that what it didn't feel like that was 100% confirmed. Um, I think for me as a Bethesda fan, for me as a person who's been waiting so long to see Starfield, I walked away satisfied. I walked away happy with what I saw. 
Um, does that mean that everything, in my opinion, was perfect about it? No. <laughs> I think that this is why it's so important to, to take off the rose-tinted glasses. No matter how excited you are for a project, if, especially at post-cyberpunk, post-CP, um, I think that <clears throat> it's always important to, uh, it's always okay to be critical of some things. Um, combat animation definitely still needs a lot of work. There was like one moment in the trailer where he shot a full, cl almost like a half a clip into this person's back that was kind of busy and th the body did not react at all. The some of the deaf animations looked really, really good, but some improvement, I think, for 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 bullet collision uh, is definitely needed. I really wish there was a VAT system similar to Fallout. I just I love the VAT system. Doesn't look like they're adding that um, here. It definitely looked a bit janky, um, but uh, a few things to keep in mind is number one. We are in the month of June. This build is more than likely from earlier in the year, maybe even as early as February, January. Um, yes, it does take that much time to, to, to put everything together for these types of videos. This isn't something that was captured, you know, in May in preparation for this, right? So they're probably even further ahead. Um, but I think, you know, when it comes to Bethesda game, jank is just a, a part of it. You know, like you're just, you're expecting it. It's like, it's like buying a Big Mac at McDonald's. You know what it's going to taste like, but when you, when you open at that box, you know, it's going to look sloppy. It's not going to look like the picture up on the menu. You already know what to expect, right? The same thing goes with Bethesda games. You know, the, there hasn't been a perfectly polished Bethesda game. The difference that I will say when it comes to my, I'm just going to talk about my experience with Bethesda games compared to a disaster like cyberpunk is that even though there are bugs, even though there are glitches in games like fallout three, fallout four, elder scrolls, Skyrim, right? The jankiness of like third person trying to walk up mountains and all these other crazy weird things that happen in games like elder scrolls. Even with all of that, the game is still very much playable as opposed to something like cyberpunk, which was just kind of unplayable. And this is just from my opinion. So for me, there's always going to be jank. It's, it's just kind of a part of the deal. But this game gets, I, I'm very concerned about Starfield, especially after what Todd Howard decided to close the show on, which is talking about that the game contains 100 different solar systems <laughs> containing 1,000 planets. Um, now, he did go as far as to say that you can land anywhere on a planet but he did make it a point to say that some planets are built only to find resources. So he, he they showed off this this planet that was like a barren, like ice world, which is completely surrounded by ice. So that means that you really had no expectations to land on that planet and, and, and see human life, right? Probably just uh, seeing different creatures. And then you're obviously there to just mine for, um, you know, material. Um, that has that had me really concerned. A thousand different planets. Bethesda, once again, has not really been known for 
supreme quality when 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 a game releases. So to have something a game that contains a thousand different planets to me is concerning. I don't believe that tagline. I feel like that's like a perfect sort of selling like a bullet point back of the box type of stuff. Um but of course, I mean let's be realistic. How many of those planets are you expecting to land and have meaningful missions? I don't know. How many of them are you going to land at and see infrastructure that makes sense? Um, how long does it take to tra- traverse an entire planet? You know, these are questions that we're going to have to wait and see. But outside of that, customization looks absolutely amazing. I mean, character customization, Bethesda's always been great at it. But it's cool that you can build out your own base, hire your own crew. Same thing for your ship. Fully customize a ship. Have a crew on there to help you run it. I thought all of that was really amazing. Um, All in all, I walked away from the showing very happy. I get that some people, the the easiest joke to make, oh, this is just No Man's Sky, whatever, whatever. Uh, Keep in mind that this Starfield started development around 2012, 2013. So I could see them maybe take a little bit inspiration from, from No Man's Sky, but I truly do feel like this was the game that they always set out to build. Uh, outside of, you know, the mining thing, I feel like there really weren't many comparisons to No Man's Sky, to be honest with you. Um, so I walk away excited with, you know, the first footage that we're seeing from the game, I, th- I think it just looks amazing. I'm definitely 100% excited for the game. Um, am I concerned? Yes. Yes. I am definitely concerned about number one. I'm not fully convinced that this game will not get delayed again after hearing about the scope. Uh, and then number two, I am concerned about that t- that bullet point, that 1,000 planet thing, to me, I'm, you know, I have to separate my desires from realistically speaking. Like my desires, like, yeah, every single planet is, you know, unique atmosphere and it it really drives home what, what No Man's Sky was trying to do. And, and mind you, Todd Howard did not mention anything about procedurally generated which means that technically all 1,000 planets must have some sort of human fingerprints on it. So that, to me, gets me feeling a little bit more excited. But man, the amount of work that goes into building 1,000 planets. There was a little bit of a montage where they showed a couple different surfaces, and Jesus Christ, it looked amazing. Um, Yeah, I mean, look, I can't wait to hear more about this game. I'm sure we're going to hear more about it early next year. I'm really, really excited, Um, but I think I have every right to be skeptical also. Um, So yeah, in terms of the show, I thought it was super solid all around. I really loved it. It was mostly gameplay. I I, I do think it was a really, really strong showing. I think that the fact that there were so many games missing that we know that they're working on, right? No Perfect Dark, no Fable. No Avowed, Outer Worlds 2, um, the rumored 
gears collection, whatever gear sixes, whatever that coalition is working on, Everwild from Rare, the fact that absolutely none of them shows up means that, I mean, that's, uh, you know, um, what's the other game? Hellblade 2 also was not here. You know, that that's just proof point that Xbox is late 2023, 2024, the entire year 2024. Um, they could very well be setting up for what I've said that Xbox will at some point be able to achieve a AAA release every single quarter of the year. And it looks like they're sort of setting up for that. So Xbox's future is looking really, really bright as long as they're able to deliver. Now, the one thing I will say is that with everything that was shown, um, this is the one negative I will bring up. Xbox is still lacking that blockbuster, holy shit, I need to buy an Xbox kind of game. Starfield is not it. And Redfall is not it. Um, They have yet to show that one game that I feel knowing everything that I know about this industry that I feel would would be the one to make PlayStation owners completely envious. I feel like there are so many PlayStation games that Xbox owners are envious of. Horizon, Spider-Man, Wolverine, um, whatever comes next from Naughty Dog. You know, Last of Us, uh, obviously, is a franchise. God of War, Ragnarok. I feel like those games are the ones that make you consider buying a second console, going out and saying, damn, I have, I own an Xbox, but I need a PlayStation 5. I feel like Xbox still, to this day, after all of the purchases that they've made, um, after seeing over 20 games, I think it was, you know, there still wasn't anything on that list that was in terms of console exclusive or even first party that would make a PlayStation owner go, oh my God, you know, or make them make that person that never considered buying an Xbox actually consider it for the first time in their life. Not, I don't think Starfield, what we saw, even with as excited as I am about that game, I think if you're not a Bethesda person, I think you looked at it and I was like, what is this thing looks janky? What the hell's going on? It looks a little bare bones. It looks a little empty. Um, where's the volume? I, I, I think that that was your, really your reaction to it. The other plus that I will say for the showcase before moving on is that every single thing that they showed is coming to Game Pass. That's amazing. The fact that within the next 12 months, you're talking about over 20 titles averaging to, you know, over one title per month. If you're a Game Pass subscriber, you can expect something brand new. And it's a really, really good variety of games. That's something to be really proud of from Xbox. Because it shows that not only does Xbox have faith in Game Pass, but the rest of the industry has faith in this system that that Xbox created. And honestly, I would even count Overwatch 2 and Diablo 4 as part of that. Because at some point when Activision Blizzard gets you know, absorbed, 
those games will be added to Game Pass. There's no reason for us to believe that, you know, it won't happen. So honestly, that's that's really amazing to see. You know, I think the only thing that was not confirmed coming to Game Pass was the Kojima project. But seeing as it's a partnership with Xbox Game Studios, I just can't imagine that game not being added to Game Pass. So that's that's pretty that's pretty, pretty amazing. This week's hot releases tomorrow, June 14th, we have Jurassic World Evolution 2 Dominion Biosyn Expansion, PC, PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Xbox Series X. June 16th, we have Neon White PC Switch, Red Out 2, PC, PS4, PS5, Switch, Xbox One, Xbox Series X, and then Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge, PC, PS4, PS5, Switch, Xbox One, Xbox Series X, and it is also coming to Game Pass. Time to wrap it up. The games, excuse me, the games, the stories we didn't have time to get to. According to Bloomberg, who spoke to three people familiar with the game's development, God of War Ragnarok is not getting significantly delayed further and is expected to release in November with a confirmation coming soon. Some people are saying later this month. Uh, I kind of can't see that happening. PlayStation having these two Sega plays in the same month. I could see this maybe in July, them having one. Um, I, I, I still don't believe it. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, I'm super excited for this game. I don't want to get my hopes up. Um, but even with this being said, I still, I'll, I'll believe it when I get that confirmation from them, whatever date we get the next time we, um, see God of war, I do feel like it will be concrete. Uh, I looked back horizon when it, when it was supposed to come out. 20 end of 2021 i think the delay came in august so there still is time for this game to be for us to have a delay announced but i believed whenever they give that date that's the date and i'm going to be honest with you the petty master in me kind of wishes that they give the day of november 11th which was uh starfield's prior date i really think that would be funny and i i (laughs) <laughs> there's a part of it I really hope PlayStation does it because I think it's funny. Uh, Netflix had a few game announcements last week as part of the Netflix Geeked event. I'm just going to rapid fire through these. There was a new trailer for Cyberpunk Edge Runners launched in September. That trailer looked better than the game. Honestly, it looked awesome. Dragon Age Absolution animated series was, was announced. Tekken Bloodline anime. New episodes of the Cuphead show coming August 19th. If you haven't seen the Cuphead show, Jesus... Sign up for Netflix and go watch it. So, so, so good. Dota Dragon's Blood Season 3 coming August 11th. Shadow and Bone Destiny's RPG um, based on the show. Wait, hold on. Sorry. I'm reading that wrong. Shadow and Bone Destiny's is an RPG game that is based on the show. There you go. Uh, they showed a new Sonic Prime trailer that showed the character that I know we've all been waiting for, Big the Cat. That's not a joke. Big the Cat is one of my favorite Sonic characters of all time. Castlevania Nocturne was announced as in development. Then they showed a bunch of games. I said this before. don't understand why Netflix is investing in games. I think it's a super cool bonus if you're already a Netflix subscriber. I don't see how this is supposed to retain or bring in new subscribers. But Rapid Fire a game based on Casa de Papel. Some people might know this as Money Heist. Queen's Gambit chess game. A retro-style vertical platform called Lucky Luna. Desta, The Memories Between Us, which is that game that I talked about earlier. Uh, made by Monument Valley. 
that's coming exclusive to Netflix. Devolver announced three games. Netflix, Nario's Reigns, Three Kingdoms, Terra Nell from Free Lives. Excuse me. Terra Nell from a company called Free Lives, which is the same company behind Broforce. And then a game called Point P from the creative Downwell. I actually downloaded that Point P game to check it out. I was done in 10 minutes. Yeah. So that goes to show you all the money they're putting behind these games. They're still really mobile games. Raji and Ancient Epic and Spirit Fairer are also coming to Netflix games. So they're obviously spending a lot of money, right? When you look at Raji and Spirit Fairer, these are games that were already released on consoles, which means that one of two things happened. They were already planning a mobile title and Netflix paid them a lot of money to make it exclusive or Netflix paid their entire development budget just to bring it to mobile and make it exclusive to them. Either way, it's just not worth it. If you're already a subscriber, look, this is this is great. I think the system that they built is actually works really well. You go to the Netflix app, you scroll down a bit, you see the games, you pick the one you want, you install it, you launch the game. There's no ads, nothing additional to, to, to pay for, and best of all, no additional login. Somehow they worked out a deal with Apple and iOS that it sends you right to the, the right launch page, you download it, uh, and it just instantly connects the game to your Netflix account. You don't have to log in again. System is very, very well done. It's one thing I always praise Netflix on. Their technology department is top notch. I just don't think any of this stuff makes any sense for them to be spending that amount of money. And then finally, the team behind Cobra Kai are now working on a Duke Nukem film. Echoing once again what I've said, that Hollywood is going after anything and everything. Honestly, I'm going to be honest, this is one of the most recent announcements of Hollywood, uh, gaming in Hollywood, that I will say could really, really work if they do it the right way. If they build the right team, get the right script, do humor, tongue-in-cheek, over-the-top, dripping in, uh, in, 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 in the 1990s. I really think something like this can work. And I think the team behind Cobra Kai is the right team to get it started but obviously we'll have to wait and see that's the show jesus hour and a half one of the longest we've done shout out to the grammys recording academy the 65th annual grammy awards taking place in 2023 will include a new award the best score soundtrack for video games and other interactive media so that's pretty cool thank you guys so much for joining me please follow us on twitter and youtube at ken koji for future updates once again I'm Joel, and I will see you all next week.